0: Welcome, and thank you for joining me for another episode. I am Stefan Van Norden, and this is Nature Revisited. The Appalachian Trail is a footpath that winds up the east coast of the United States. Going from Springer Mountain in Georgia to Mount Katahdin in Maine. The trail was conceived in 1921 by Benton McKay. The Appalachian Trail, often referred to as simply the trail, has been providing generations of hikers the experience of a lifetime since it opened in 1937. The challenge of the 2000 mile plus hike which only one in four actually complete, has been giving people a deeper understanding of our relationship to nature for decades. There are other wonderful and longer trails around the world, but the Appalachian Trail is truly an American treasure. I have been wanting to do an episode on the trail for some time. So when I discovered Paul Fazinski and his podcast, Aptitude Outdoors, I contacted Paul to see if he would share with us some of the wonderful memories about his experiences along the trail. Like most people who finish it, Paul is very proud and excited about sharing his accomplishment and memories with others. So here then is our conversation about the trail.
1: So, yeah, growing up, I grew up in southeast Michigan, lots of parks and stuff down here. We have the Great Lakes. In our teenage years, kind of traveling to a place in southern Ohio called Hocking Hills. That's where I got my first taste of camping. We would spend long weekends down there just wandering around. There's lots of caves, lots of caverns. We would take $15 tents and lay them on the ground, and we didn't have any sleeping pads or anything remotely you know, conducive to a successful night's sleep, we would just sleep on the ground and got my badge for the outdoors out there learning the hard way. And uh, we used to heat our house with wood. And it was just a lot of time spent in the woods. And as as a child, it wasn't always the most enjoyable because it was associated with work. But uh, as I got older, I grew to love it uh, quite a bit, obviously.
2: Now, did you do a lot of, of hiking before you contemplated going on the Appalachian Trail?
1: Yeah. So prior to the trail, we did a lot of hiking around a park by where I live right now called Oak Openings. It has a 17-mile trail. And I kind of fell in love with that park by getting lost out there. And I spent pretty much every weekend for a few years hiking that 17-mile trail. After high school, my, my friends and I, we were in a band and we traveled around the country playing concerts. And I, it was my first time kind of seeing... Everything that America has to offer, it was coming from Ohio, there is not a lot of uh, landscape variation. So we drove down the East Coast and that was kind of my first taste of the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, I didn't know it at the time that I would fall in love with them. And then we, we went through the deserts That was my first time being in 100 degree weather seeing all that sand driving through Texas and and Arizona and, and Nevada, and we're seeing the Redwoods up through Washington State, and they're driving through Yellowstone and places like this. And I saw these places really early on in my teenage years, and I got to hike through some of the Redwoods on our days off and things like that, and it just kind of changed everything for me. It was it was kind of like I didn't know that nature of this scale existed anywhere, and it, it just kind of got me thinking i think that was the initial spark it's like the precursor to even knowing the appalachian trail existed
2: when did you really first start giving it serious consideration
1: i would say i turned about 22 and I started college after, after being on the road with my band and uh, seeing all this awesome stuff around the U.S. I started taking anthropology degree because I just was really interested in the topic. We learned a lot about environmentalism in this degree for whatever reason. And I just kind of like put everything together. And Somewhere along the way, I read a book about the Appalachian Trail. And it, it kind of put this this bug in my brain. That sounds like it would be fun. And then my last few years of college, I was like, "This is it." The last two years I spent in college, I was like, "I'm doing this." And I became obsessive, like reading about the Appalachian Trail. At the, at that point in time, I probably read every single book that existed at that point about the Appalachian Trail, even some like really obscure or uh, anthropological books about the Appalachian region. You know, I was learning about primitive cultures and I, I was really like, I wonder what it is to live that close to the natural world. Uh, and I got obsessive and I started hiking like the 17 mile loop out here at this trail two, three times a week. I really started getting obsessed with researching the trail. And that's, I'd say about the time I was 23, 24 years old, it was really where I was like, this is, this is going to happen. This, this trail is is going to be the life or death of me.
2: What went into that thinking of taking this thing on? The trail is 2,000-some-odd miles long. One in four people finish it. It's not something you get up in the morning and decide, okay, I'm going to go
1: for a hike on the Appalachian Trail. So I'm... uh... I'm probably a little bit uh, crazy in some people's brains. I When I get into something, I get in like 200%. So my, my preparation may have been a little excessive compared to most people, but I mean, from the first time in my life, when I, when I really got serious about the trail, I ran every single day. I lifted weights every single day for probably two years. I mean, that was my first experience doing any sort of weightlifting, and I... I became, you know, hyper focused on the goal of completing this trail. I really spent a lot of time in, in preparation in, in a multifaceted way. I mean, my main goal was to get my pack as light as I could. My my main goals was to understand what skills it took to hike the trail. Which, you know, some people are born backpacking. They 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 live in the mountains. They can do that. I had zero experience. I had to learn how to filter water, build fires, you know, all that stuff that just comes with the territory. And and there's a lot more than just having a backpack and and throwing stuff in it. You have to you have to plan out you know food for days at a time. You have to plan out water stops. You have to be reasonable about how many miles you can hike. So I I, I put a good two years into planning this hike, and I, I took it very seriously. And I think that overall, that's what led to the success of my thru hike. And did you do it alone? I did not through hike alone. Actually, my then-girlfriend, now-wife, Luna, came with me. It was awesome. We both finished together. The statistic for people who finish is pretty low, and then the, the statistic for people who finish with their partner is extremely low. It was it was a great experience to hike with her, and, and, and we still, you know, everybody always tells us we can make it through that, we can make it through anything.
2: You, you prepared together?
1: Well, I... I was kind of the one with the idea and when we met and then I kind of sold her on it because when you're when you're in your 20s and you're working a normal job and you kind of know that that's not where you want to be in life, it's pretty easy to just kind of quit and, and head out on the trail and you don't have much to lose. So uh, yeah, I, I initially was, was really gung-ho about it and then she warmed up to the idea and then now we're both obsessive outdoors people 24-7. Kind of put your hold on life for a while. So the Appalachian Trail generally takes anyone, you know, on the, on the faster end, they're probably about four months. and the longer end, they're probably five, six, seven months. Uh, it took us almost exactly six months to the day. I think we were a few days short of six months. Uh, we started in May because that was when my last day of college was. I basically finished my last exam, ran out the door, skipped graduation to the chagrin of my parents and uh, headed down south. In a van to the Appalachian Trailhead at Springer Mountain. We set out in May, we finished in late October when it was very cold. And and you know it, it was it was six months and it was the best six months of my life. Let's talk about the trail, the actual doing it. We were greenhorn, we were straight out the gate, thought we knew what we were doing, and were brought into the real life of the trail immediately. Within the first few days, I completely misjudged my water. We camped on the top of a mountain, and it was windy and got all dehydrated. You know, those are the kind of hard-learned lessons that you don't get anywhere. You can't get that lesson in a book. We adapted very quickly in the beginning. There's so much to take in. There's planning all your food stops and and not knowing, and it just becomes this fine-tuned thing, and there's just so much that happened along the way that by the time you're at the end, you're basically completely self-sufficient you it's all you have it all down to a science and then it's all over with and there's so many amazing memories from the trail one of the standout ones for me is we're climbing this mountain and and again out here in ohio there are no mountains and this is one of the first times you run across the the peak of a mountain because in georgia they're relatively small mountains where there was not a lot of cover there was there was no cover essentially uh, and and you always hear you know don't go outside when there's a thunderstorm don't go outside if it's lightning well when you're on the trail you don't have a choice you're outside that's you're always outside so it's advised to stay in the tree cover and, and get down low well when you hike up on the top of a mountain and you're a half mile into this hike and a, and a giant bald and a thunderstorm breaks out you're kind of in trouble and I'm talking treacherous thunderstorm like wind blowing you sideways hail to the face lightning (laughs) but the only thought that's running through my mind is I have basically hiking poles essentially lightning rods in my hand and I have lightning rod on my back and and this is not going to be good and we're up there scrambling through this thunderstorm and we finally get down off of this ridge and the thunderstorm stops you know you're kind of like thankful that you didn't die we get to the camp we wanted to go to and kind of settling down. And I turn around, I drop my pack, and, and there's this view that is just mind-blowing. And, and I, I always think back on that moment, like one of the scariest moments in my life, back-to-back back with one of the most beautiful views I've ever seen. And I always think that's kind of like a metaphor for, for life. I mean, especially in the outdoors. It's unpredictable. There's, there's tons of moments like that, but I'll never forget that moment as long as I live.
2: So did you run into
1: a lot of people along the way? Generally, yes. For the most part, the the trail is pretty populated. I mean, we're on the east coast of the United States. There's lots of big cities. The trail is very popular, uh, but it's just like any park that you go to. When you're kind of by the entrances, there's gonna be a ton of people, but when you start getting into the back country, the, the, the stretches where there's no, no roads for 10, 15 miles, you run into a handful of backpackers, and it's such a strange world out there because everybody's kind of on the same page because you're all doing this crazy adventure, you're all scared, you're all hungry, you're all tired, and you meet some of the craziest people, and it, it's it's and I mean crazy in a good way. you make lifelong friends out there. So yes, there are there are there's quite a few people out there. Um, So it's not it's not this secluded, peaceful wilderness retreat like some people want to think it is. It's 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 beautiful. It's it's challenging. But there's definitely people out there all the time and they really are a great community on the trail. One of my best friends that I've met on the trail, his name was Lucky. He was a 19 year old kid hiking this trail and he basically didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. He, he was in college, and he, he took a semester off, and he was just going to hike as far as he could. I've never met somebody that was so positive and, and, and happy, and he kind of kept us from losing our minds sometimes, and he, he was such a strong-willed kid, uh, and, and he's still a great friend of mine, hilarious, and he was from Canada, so he spoke French. One of my favorite stories with, with Lucky was... We're, we're at this campsite. It's a little dirty because people leave stuff behind, especially when you're closer to the roads and road crossings. And we were tired. It's getting dark. And we set up camp even though there's wrappers laying around and old food. And, and, you know, that just says bear all over it. And there's nothing you can do when you're exhausted and the sun goes down. So we set up camp. We all fall asleep. We get, we get into our sleeping bags and lay down, and it gets quiet. And then probably within 45 minutes of laying down, we hear the sniffing outside the tent. And I mean, everybody that's heard a bear knows what a bear sounds like. They, there's no dis, like other sound that sounds like a bear. So <laughs> I'm whispering to him. He's maybe 15 feet away in his tent. I'm like, hey, Lucky, I think that's a bear. And we're like, should we get out? He's like, yeah, yeah, let's get out. Uh, so we get out of the tent. And I'm like, well, what do we do? And he just starts belting the Canadian national anthem at the top of his lungs come to find out the next morning that there are people camping like probably 40 yards away that we had no idea were there. So that was uh, an interesting night. They probably thought we were out of our minds, but yeah, that was, that's one of my favorite, favorite stories from the trail. Would you travel together with some of the people you would meet? Oh yeah, absolutely. A lot of the people that we met on the trail became like a family or or in Appalachian Trail terminology through hiking terminology, it'd be like your, your trammily, uh, your trail family. And and these people i mean i just talked to one of my friends from the appalachian trail scribbles today we were texting today uh and and you know these are people that that they become great friends on the trail but they become like an extended family you you know sometimes someone would go ahead some someone would fall behind but i would say the majority of the time you're you're with these people if there's points where we all wanted to give up, this is not uh, something that, you know, you should take lightly. This is an endurance trip, and it's, it's brutal mentally, it's brutal physically. It, it really shows you, like, the kind of the good in the world, and, and these, these people come together, and they're, like, an integral part of our lives still to this day. What are some of the other hazards along the way? I would say one of the biggest hazards of the trail is probably not really getting in tune with your abilities. Uh, there's times where people push themselves too hard. That's where you get injured. And I can't speak for everyone. I felt relatively safe on the trail. And granted, I'm, you know, 6'1". I, I was 190 pounds when I finished the trail, so you could imagine I'm not a lightweight kind of guy. You know, I never really felt threatened. Sometimes there's there's people on the trail that are a little questionable you know there's a lot of things that can go wrong i i sprained my ankle 17 miles from the nearest road but that was just you know bad timing and bad luck but yes i would say the most dangerous things overall would be the weather if you're not careful you can get caught in some really nasty storms you can get caught in the cold and you can get hypothermic if you don't have the proper gear for the proper season. You can, you can get dehydrated very easily. Uh, you can get malnutrition with just not eating enough. There's so many factors that go into it. You just have to be able to listen to your body. And I would honestly say without, without a shadow of a doubt that animals are the least of your concerns. And, and that's a lot of people's biggest fear. Dealt with bears on the trail. Uh, i ran into moose. Uh, the biggest animal you have to fear out there is mice chewing through your backpack and ruining all your gear and food. Uh, it just comes down to common sense and, and really kind of listening to the weather and listening to your body and not just trying to be macho man out there. It, 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 that's where you're going to get into trouble.
2: What advice would you give someone who might be considering taking on that challenge?
1: It's not for everyone. The trail is not for everyone. It's it's for people who are driven. Uh, if you're the kind of person that can pull yourself out of bed every day and, and just put your boots on the ground and get going, whether you're sore, whether you're tired, uh, then you can handle the trail. It's not as romantic as a lot of things make it out to be. It's, it's beautiful. It's scenic. There's so much awesomeness that comes from the trail. But it is still a, basically an ultra endurance marathon. Um and, and I would recommend it to anyone out there who's willing to put in the miles and put in the time. And it's it's such a life changing thing. And if if you're gonna go out there, I would recommend one hundred percent the the only thing you can do is to read up on it and and read through the forums and, and just kinda trust your gut because you can you can read till you're blue in the face like I did, but there are things you're not going to encounter until you just it happens and, and in person and, and and I think that's half the fun is, is learning what you're capable of when it kind of comes to that. And, and there's, there's so, many, so many people giving advice, and sometimes you just got to go with your gut and do what seems right. How did it change you, and how did it bring you closer to nature? So there is nothing in my life that is more important to me than nature. The trail, it was a 100% turning point for me. I mean, I was looking for a nature experience. I was looking for an opportunity to kind of live a life surrounded by nature. Not everybody gets that. We're, we're in a world where a lot of our life is dictated by technology, where we're on computers, myself included, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. around on our phones all the time. And, and the trail was a solid six months where it was just me and the woods and the water flowing through the woods and the trees. And it's just mind blowing to be in nature in that capacity because you, you, you learn to understand how, how the outside operates. Like you, you gain this profound understanding of how the woods work. Like it's, it's like its own natural rhythm. Things come out in the morning, things come out at night. Your di- life becomes dictated by the sun. You, you eat at a certain time when your body's hungry. And, and so much of, of the way you understand the world changes. And you realize that your life shouldn't be focused so much on this menial stuff that doesn't really have any impact on you. Like the natural world and nature has a way to change you that's just so profound like I could never imagine my life again going back to before the Appalachian Trail because everything I do is focused around nature the outdoors I look at the world in a different way like I don't everything is so so ingrained with me with the outdoors like I can just sit in the woods and be completely happy and that's the only place that I really enjoy going anymore is, is is out into the woods to kind of just be one with nature. There's nothing not to like about the Appalachian Trail. It's And the Appalachian Trail is just, it goes through so many parks. It goes through the Shenandoahs. It goes to the Smoky Mountains, the White Forest. There's just so many astoundingly beautiful places. And you wouldn't think that where it's located, there would be. I mean, the outskirts of the Appalachian Trail have New York City, Philadelphia. I mean, it has all these big cities. There's nothing really more essential American nature than, than that. That's like where the country was founded. That's where everything, everybody has spent so much time. And yet right in the heart of all of this, this big cities is this amazing natural resource. It's a life-changing place. So I'm going to assume that you would agree with me is that the people who
2: conceived of this idea, um, if they were alive today, they would realize that it was a very successful endeavor.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I. And actually, one of the first people to to through hike it was Grandma Gatewood out right out here from in Ohio as well. So I would say it's one of the greatest successes there, even for people who don't complete it. I mean, even if they spend four days on the trail, I mean, it's just such a great place to go. And, and I mean, do you think it can get too popular? Yeah, that's kind of a point of contention. Uh, it's kind of hard with, with nature because one of my biggest goals is... To get people outdoors. But then again, you get too many people outdoors, like it's kind of happening on the Appalachian Trail, and it becomes a question of is this too much? Uh, I can personally attest that some of the places in the more populated areas and around the beginning of the trail, I mean, there's no other way to put it. They get trashed. Ruins it for some people, but you got to keep in mind that, I mean, we're getting people outdoors and it's kind of our our job as, you know, people who care about nature to kind of solve that problem because that's that's anywhere. Any park you ever go to is going to have people littering and this and that. People that are like us that are educating people on the outdoors really need to do everything we can to try and teach people the right way to be outdoors and not not ruin that landscape because it is so beautiful. But I'm just happy that people are going outdoors. I really Everybody needs that so much nowadays, and especially after being closeted up in a pandemic. I mean, the outdoors is going to be the saving grace for a lot of people.
2: So let's talk a little bit about you and your podcast.
1: Aptitude Outdoors started as a blog after I got home from the Appalachian Trail to kind of keep track of my experiences and to talk to other people about the trail. Uh, and I learned very quickly, but I really like talking to people. Uh, I talk to through hikers, and and I just want to. It must be some deep internal thing to be able to relate to people because because through hiking, not many people can relate to that. So I'm trying to talk to people who have had outdoors, you know, they've done challenging adventures and experiences and been all around the world, and and kind of get the same things you're trying to understand. Like, well, how does this? How does the natural world? change your life. How does it affect you? How can it work for other people? And and you know, I I'm looking for those answers myself because I know how it affected me, but I really want to understand how it helps other people to make their lives better in every way possible and and I absolutely am in love with it. As a thru hiker, I get asked a lot about thru hiking. I talk to people a lot about thru hiking and I help people prepare for thru hiking. Through hiking is is the extreme end of being in love with nature. It, it, it's not for everyone. It's intimidating to a lot of people to think that that's what they need to do to get in touch with with nature and be excited about nature. I mean anything to get outdoors, if you hike one hour a day or if you go out and and do photography or or get a paddle board or a mountain bike and just spend some time on a new skill that gets you outside. Any interaction with the outdoors, even if it's just a you know hanging out on a park bench for a few hours and just listening to the birds, I think that's what's really important because that is what what creates greater appreciation for the outdoors and how we can help kind of conserve some of these places that are in, in danger of being destroyed or or taken off park status or whatever, and, and a lot of land can be preserved for enjoyment of everyone, and I I, I really hope everybody just kind of. And find their special thing that gets them to love the outdoors.
0: I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Paul Fasinski and that his excitement about hiking will encourage all of us to get outside more, whether it's a 2,000 mile hike or just around the corner. You can follow Nature Revisited on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. If you would like to support us and share your thoughts and ideas, please visit our website, NordenProductions.com. That's Norden, N O O R D E N, Productions.com. Nature Revisited is produced by Stefan Van Norden and Charles Gagan. I hope you will share Nature Revisited with family, friends, colleagues, and that you will join us for our next edition. And in the meantime, do remember, we are nature.